today we're talking about financial planning for your future as a real estate professional. Uh, it's my pleasure to have uh, two really good guys on the call with me, but also uh, two individuals who are really good at what they do. Uh, first, I have Matt Marmino with at Brighton Jones uh, as a senior lead advisor. And then also we have with us Nick Glant, founder of NWG Compass Northwest, who's been in the real estate profession for many years and uh, got to know Nick over the years and uh, really enjoy his philosophy as it relates to investing in real estate. So I thought it would be great to have him on the call here. So before we launch into some questions, first I'd like to have each of you kind of give a little background of who you are and what you do. And let's uh, go ahead and start with you, Nick. All right. Well, thanks, Derek. Thanks for having me on this. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, my background is I, I, um, founded NWG Real Estate, which was a, b- a boutique brokerage that we, uh, launched in 2007. So right before the financial crisis. So this, this pandemic feels like it has some familiar, uh, familiar vibes in some ways and some not, but, um, started that company in 07 and grew it to, um, a 550 million revenue uh into 2018 and then we were acquired by Compass Real Estate which is now um the largest luxury brokerage in all of Washington and and the third largest independent real estate brokerage in the nation so it's been kind of an interesting last couple of years after being acquired uh but really cool to be able to pair up with with Compass's technology and our local kind of expertise so um that's that's my background I still um lead our team um within Compass, and uh, I primarily now transact and work with our clients and our developer investor clients as well. Perfect. Thanks, Nick. And then, uh, and Matt, uh, can you share with the audience a little bit about yourself and what you're doing at Brighton Jones? Yeah, sure. So I'm a senior lead advisor at Brighton Jones. I started at Brighton Jones uh, in 2008. So like you, Nick, I was I was in for, uh, I didn't know I was getting on at the top of a peak of a roller coaster ride, um, you know, being in the, you know, wealth management space, dealing with investments uh, and financial planning for clients. Um, but I've been here for 12 years now, um, part of our ownership group, and I'm focused on helping to develop our open plan service, um, which is a new service we rolled out a few years ago. Um, focused on financial planning for those who are just starting out and building their plans, um, and also our growth into new markets um, as well. You know, what's interesting is uh, we've all were in this industry prior to technology making an impact on what we each do. Um, and Nick, you mentioned it like with Compass. I mean, the reputation Compass has with the technology and what they've integrated to allow agents and brokers to grow quickly and provide great value. And same with Matt as it relates to the open plan uh, that you're a part of creating at Brighton Joe's, helping those using technology and getting started for uh, a plan and set up a roadmap. So it's, it's kind of interesting when you think about the technology merging. And here we're going to talk about planning for the future uh, with uncertainties around incomes as a, a professional. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how that kind of all dovetails down the road. Um, it will, it will, Derek. You know, I I remember when I started at Brighton Jones, I didn't get email on my phone. I had, I had this moment at the beginning every day when you open up your Outlook and you see what happened overnight. And just to think about how much the world has changed, and that's just one small example. Um, you know, looking out over the next twelve years, I, I think technology is going to continue to be a huge part of all of our lives and our work, um, and certainly at Brighton Jones. And, and, and Nick, Absolutely. when you when you uh, 
when you started your your strategy and planning, you started your firm, and you obviously your head down to make something uh, successful, which you did. What were you thinking around the future of of finances when you were in the industry, going, okay, I know I've got to have a plan because my income is going to be ups and downs. But did you? What was your kind of your approach and advice you'd give to you know agents and brokers out there uh, just thinking about starting to do a plan? Yeah, I think, and I and I come. I'm probably more conservative as it relates to spending, um, and knowing that you know behind every peak there's going to be a valley. So you better you better put your home runs away in the bank account and save those with the good people at Price and Jones. Um, but you have to, especially starting out early in your career, you have to kind of look at it in a few different buckets. One is, you know, anytime you close a transaction, you're capable, you're fortunate enough to be able to put some of that away or invest. You should put it, the way I looked at it is you should put at least a third to 50% of it into retirement. You should put a portion of it into your business. So put it back into your marketing budget so that you can continue to grow your business. Because as any individual 1099 broker is running their own business theoretically, not theoretically, actually. And it's incredibly important to reinvest in your own business so you continue to grow um, and grow your reach. And then, yeah, if you, uh, if you value, uh, you know, having fun and doing a little materialistic stuff on the side, you should allocate a little portion of that to pat yourself on the back for a job well done, but don't go overboard on that stuff. I think I've noticed a lot, both in residential and commercial, you know, during boom times, that's the time where a lot of my colleagues end up with a boat and the second car. And, you know, that's, I then see them on the backside of a financial crisis or a recession and all of a sudden, they're uh, offloading those things pretty quickly. So I, you know, I, I tend to be more conservative and I think having a good structured plan with someone like Matt at, at, uh, at Brighton is the way to go and, and make sure that you're really listening to them as you, you know, follow and stick with your plan. Don't, don't start to diverge from it just because you had a monster year. It has to be consistency over time. I, I think that's a really good point, Nick. And I think that what a really good plan can do is give you that freedom to spend, you know, and and with the knowledge that you're not jeopardizing your future, you're not getting out over your skis. And I think you made a really good point also about being a business owner because, you know, it might not seem like that to the outside world, but it is like that. And if you think about um, what, a, like, I'll, I'll use our company at Brighton Jones, like our our leadership we need to be mindful of planning for ups and downs, you know, because revenue is not always just going to go in a straight line up. And so you need to be planning on, okay, I, I need to be able to pay my people. And if you, you have your own business, that, that means you. You need to be able to pay yourself. And so what do you do from a cash flow and cash management perspective, building a reserve, making sure that you have a cushion to get through some months where, you know, you can't show homes due to a global pandemic. Not that we would have seen that coming, but if you're preparing for the unexpected, you know, whether it's a financial crisis, whether it's a pandemic, whether it's um, some sort of uh, geopolitical conflict, you know, whatever it is that's going to cause economies to turtle up and markets to contract, you're going to be ready for that. And then you have a plan that tells you, okay, in order to meet the goals that we have set out, here's how much you need to be saving on an annual basis. Here's the methods that you can save. Here's the types of accounts and vehicles you can use. You hit those targets because you're having a good year. You have some excess income. Now you can decide 
what you want to do with that. Do you want to save more? Do you want to invest in something like maybe a real estate project? Do you want to go buy that boat or that car? You know, you start to give yourself that freedom because you know your targets and you know what you're aiming for. Yeah, I think the, the, of knowing what you're going to get that year, whereas I've been around enough in the industry that they want to have a big year and then say, okay, now what should I do with it? Versus here's what I'm looking to save for. Here's my end game result. And I know I need to set aside this much each year. So you know that whatever the dollar amount is, you hit that. It feels good when you hit that number and say, okay, that part's set aside. Now I can go to the next one. Um, and Nick, when you first started out, and Matt and I have talked about this before too, is, is the importance of, of just a household budget. Do you, when you first started out, did you kind of sit down and say, okay, what do I need to live on? And that's going to be my budget and set that number and then start going, you know, start building from there? Yeah. It, uh, in general, that's what we did. I wasn't, it wasn't as rigid. I had a pretty good feeling of what my, you know, especially pre kids and when my wife and I were first married. Our monthly burn was pretty reliable. And obviously, then I had my own business expenses that I sort of rolled into that too. Um, but yeah, once once we had a pretty good feel for the cadence of kind of the earning um, and what it costs for us to just live on a daily basis and have a normal, you know, living experience, we then set thresholds. Yeah, I, uh, you know, it was, and I would look at it as a quarterly basis because obviously you're going to have months where you have eight transactions closed and months where you have zero. So you can't, you know, you can't look at it from a monthly, from that perspective, but if you can take it over a quarterly basis and extrapolate it that way, it's really helpful. And I think, you know, a lot of people look at it almost like an annual basis too. Okay. I, you know, if it's, if my monthly burn is 14, I need to make X, you know, per, per month to feel, like I can start saving and that's, you know, as long as you, as long as you have a general idea of sort of what those numbers look like, I think it's really important and it helps you set goals. I think when people fly blindly, it's when they get kind of in these, you know, danger zones. Yeah. I actually, I did it month to month until I had enough saved and then go quarter to quarter and then go year to year. So that it was that, yeah. um, exactly that. It was, are you safe? Do you feel comfortable? And, you know, and, and Matt and I have talked about this quite a bit, too, is how much should you have set aside? You know, is it six months? Is it a year? Is it two years? And I think going after 2008, uh, being a broker and agent during that time, that's when you came out and said, you know what, I want at least a year um, of, of knowing yeah, I've got exactly. access to that liquidity. And I think that there's something powerful in my experience about separate, like physically separating cash. And, Derek, we've talked about this a little bit. So if I'm, if I have my own business, I, I'm a big believer in paying myself a, a paycheck. You know, it's not going to look like a normal paycheck, like you might get at a, a job where you get a W-2 and you get this pay stub and it's got withholdings and it's got all this and that. But that doesn't mean that you can't have an account that you use for your business and then that account makes a monthly transfer to a, an account that you use for your personal. I, and I and they bleed together. Nick, you kind of alluded to it. And I think there's a lot of tax advantages to, you know, being a, a, a business of one and, you know, having business expenses that are, you know, kind of intertwined with your your life and your living. Like, sure, there's a lot of tax advantages there that you should be taking advantage of. But I think that just physically separating the cash to say, here's cash that's to be spent this month or this quarter, however you want to manage it, I think that's a really powerful thing. 
That's a great point, Matt. And I think that the, it, those things, you know, setting up that, that type of payroll structure as an independent contractor is so important because it creates a forced discipline, quite frankly, for that first tier. And then what Brighton Jones has done really well for us too is just in addition to that, and it's something I lacked early on before I found Brighton, is the connectivity with my CPA to set up the monthly uh, tax payments so that rather than feeling like I need to fill this savings portion of my bank account with, you know, what I think might be our tax allocation and, uh, and forcing myself to be disciplined in doing that anytime I had a closed transaction, it's nice to see that it's set up as a recurring monthly. So I just know that that portion is of the tax payments taken care of. Um, mm-hmm. I still am mentally allocating that, the, that amount anytime I'm closing transactions, but it just, to, to be able to set that up in a more systematized way is really helpful for planning, especially oh, for absolutely. someone with, with a volatile income level. Absolutely. And I, you know, we do the very same thing for people that are, I, I mean, I, frankly, I don't really care what your business is. Like it, it applies even more so to people in your profession and others where yourself, you have your own business and cash flow is irregular. But I mean, I think about somebody who's not working anymore, living off of their investments. I mean, talk about a volatile income stream. I mean, just look at the last eight weeks. And so if you can set that kind of structure up and have that integration with taxes and with um, tax advisors and just make it easy. And I think really good planning, in my opinion, is about reducing stress and increasing confidence. And it, because you're going to know, I don't have to stress out about this. I know what my targets are. I, I know I have confidence that if I hit my targets, I'm going to be driving where I want to go. And that just kind of frees you up to to get on with your life. You know, I mean, I, I think that uh, finances shouldn't take up many, many hours a week. Um, that, that should be spent on, on your passions and on, on your work and the business that you're building and on your family or whatever it is that you want to pursue. So you're mentioning like on a action basis, do you look at it physically on like the closes that are coming up and say when a close happens, I'm going to put a percentage into my business, I'm going to put a certain percentage into my uh, taxes are going to be owed, I'm going to put a certain percentage into my investment account and certain percentage into my livelihood. Is that you you break it down that way when you actually uh you know do a closing? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um I like it. Yeah, it, and it's you know, it's interesting cuz you can have a closing that could be a, you know, significantly large commission and, and and a closing that could be a significantly small one depending on if you share a deal and it's a smaller price point. But you should always look at every closed transaction as an opportunity to take a percentage of it into into each bucket, um, and just be really diligent about it. I love it. I mean, that, that makes total complete sense when you break it down versus, okay, I've got one transaction that's going to come up in three months. That's going to be a $65,000 commission. I'm going to use that to pay for X versus going, whether it's 5000 or 100000 or $300,000 of a fee, you've got a percentage broken down. This is going to household. This is going to savings. This is going to invest my business. And then you can kind of, it makes it easier to kind of run your financial model and it also helps you plan for what you have in the kitty and how much, you know, effort you can put into your business as well. Uh, I like that a lot. That's a really good strategy. When we, when, when you look at, when you look at the long-term planning when you first got into it, I mean, obviously when you first started out, it's always, what advice would you give someone that's within the first couple of years in the business 
um, that's looking to strive and, and get to where they're making a good livelihood for their family and putting away for the future? What's kind of the mindset you would instill on them? So it, it depends on how they enter the industry. Some people will enter, you know, and enter in as, you know, they're going full, full commission as a full-time broker and, and not an assistant. If they're going that route, I always tell them to, to get into the business so you don't exit before you're actually going to experience your success. You should have at least six months to eight months of reserves to, cause you're not going to close a transaction unless you have great partners and cohorts bring you in on business. You're not going to close a transaction for several months. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, um, Nick. I think that that having that runway and knowing that you can meet your expenses as you need to without incurring a ton of debt um, will just set you up for success. Um, and when the dollars do start rolling in, you can sort of just build off of it. Yeah, it, exactly. it, and that when if you get if you get a client that comes in or that's in a profession like real estate. Mm -hmm. What's kind of the first part of the thing? What's kind of your discussion points, and kind of what, how do you weigh out that conversation? I mean, I that yeah, yeah. I think you know. Well, my goal whenever I meet somebody for the first time or we start working together is always to understand what the end game is. You know, I want to understand what what this is all for because I won't say a hundred percent of the time, but I want to say. 100% of the time. So I'll say 99.9% of the time. The goal is not to make as much money as possible. I mean, you know, and even if that's like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. It's like, okay, but why? Because, you know, what good is money if it just builds and builds and builds? It's like, is it to buy that home, that dream home? Is it to um, take those exotic vacations? Is it to, you know, support your family? Is it to support your community philanthropically, you know, like, what is it? I want to understand that because that can help us design all of the strategies to build towards the long-term goals. But then when you get, when you sort of think about, okay, what, what do we need to do straight off and for somebody in this type of profession? I mean, you definitely think about cash flow and you think about reserves. That's first and foremost, absolutely. Um, and then as we get through that and we start thinking about, okay, now we have enough reserves we have the cash flow, so you're meeting your ongoing expenses. You're kind of getting to that point where it's like, okay, now I have some more money. You know, what am I going to do with this? Because you got to start thinking about building your assets because that's eventually what's going to allow you to stop um, stop working or scale back working or just work without worrying about how many commissions are coming in on a quarterly or annual basis. And so you start thinking about how you're going to deploy those funds. And then I think it's important to think about, you know, um, risk. It's important to think about liquidity. And if you're investing in something and you're going to need that money back, how does that happen? You know, how quickly can you get it back? Are you going to get it back at its fair market value? Or if you sell it quickly, are you going to take a hit on it? Um, you know, Nick, you mentioned uh, buying a boat and then having to unwind that transaction. You know, that thing's depreciating the second, like a car too, second you roll that off the lot, it's uh, it's going down in value. So you have to think about all those things as you're building this coordinated plan. And I think that that matters for growth and liquidity and how you're going to meet your needs. It also matters for taxes because if you're building a base of assets and you have a good combination of different types of investments like retirement accounts, non-retirement accounts, liquid, illiquid, income-producing, maybe not as much income-producing. If you have a good mix of investments, 
then you can start creating a paycheck for yourself over time in a very tax-efficient way. So those are all sorts of things that I think about. And then when we go into a full plan with somebody, we're starting to think about other things too. You know, things like insurance protections and estate planning and, you know, other things that you would need to do to just sort of shore up your full picture, make sure that you're, you and your family are protected and that you're being as efficient as possible as you drive towards your goals. Yeah, well, I'm going to, uh, I know we're running out of time here, so I want to make sure I kind of recap and uh, guide in the last uh, perspective on this. So at the high level, if you think about if you're in the business, is looking at it from one-third to half of what you're earning, you should be putting it into a savings. Uh, then the remainder you're splitting between the growth of your business, your living expenses, and your extras. You know, if you're going to, you know, buy that car, that second home, or whatever that might be. Um, you're planning out on a monthly, quarterly, and annual basis, and you're looking at each one of the transactions in the way of a percentage. So whatever the transaction is, you know you're earmarking a certain percentage throughout each deal so you can put away in each one of those buckets. And then working with somebody that holds you accountable, like an advisor or something that's going to keep you on track of the numbers and know what those numbers are. Is that Did I kind of capture all that, Nick, in your perspective in, in that? Yeah, I think that's a great summary. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, whether the percentages are exactly correct for each individual, I think there's some nuance there, you know, based on what your goals are and your needs are. You know, some of us, our ongoing expenses that we need to live our lives is, is higher than others. And, of course, income is going to fluctuate, too. But I think that's a really good starting place to to start to, you know, open up a blank Excel sheet and start mapping it out and, and start thinking about it. And, you know, if you, if you need help with that, you Call somebody like us to get another opinion and perspective and, you know, reach out to friends and colleagues and, um, you know, there's support out there for sure. Okay. Well, uh, I want to thank you both for being a part of this uh, podcast. I would uh, like to have you, should get, you know, so Nick, if someone wanted to have a conversation with you or looking to uh, uh, get to know you a little more, how could somebody reach you? Well, the best way to reach me is my email address, which is nick, N-I-C-K dot glant, G-L-A-N-T at compass dot com. And, uh, I'm pretty, pretty responsive on that and happy to answer any questions that relates to investing in this unique time in real estate. Yeah, uh, great. Access to somebody like yourself is, uh, has been great for us as well as, uh, others. Um, and Matt, you know, uh, how, if somebody had a conversation, I'll put the map or yeah. financial planning. How could they reach out to you? Um, well, we uh, we have a contact us page on our website at brightonjones.com. Um, and, you know, we respond to those messages very quickly um, and try and route them to the right people based on you know what somebody's looking for help with. Um, and I mentioned our open plan service as well. Um, that can be seen at uh, openplan.us. You can learn more about that specific service and how it might apply. Perfect. Well, thanks again, both of you, for participating in the uh, Real Estate Investment Training and Education. And if anybody has any uh, questions around what we are talking about or any other uh, information, I can just uh, just ask me a question through the podcast. And uh, thanks again, and everybody have a great day.